Welcome to Peaceful Ease. We all have the necessary strength and wisdom to solve most of our problems. What we often lack is a quiet space to think clearly and calmly. This podcast is all about tapping into that zone of inner wisdom. My name is Mario Pereca, and I'd like to invite you to join myself and Ela Crane every Monday and Friday. We'll be here to guide you to that endless power and insight within until you learn how to get there and function from there by yourself. This is a journey about being authentic, learning how to trust your instincts, realizing that each and every one of us are not just enough, but also perfect the way we are right now. Clive, welcome back and thank you for being here. This time around, I wanted to ask you about grace. It's something that you mentioned during your course, and I love that word, yet I struggle to define it for myself. So I wanted to ask you, how do you define grace? What do you mean when you say grace? Thank you for being here, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to try to share in a humble way something that I understand about grace So there was a 13th century theologian, Meister Eckhart, a very wonderful teacher and writer of great books about Christianity and Christian meditation. And later on in his life, he was asked, like, what is the most powerful mantra or prayer? And he would, in saying just two words, thank you. And grace is connected with gratitude. It's almost like gratitude is a part of grace. And what helps me understand grace is in the Sanskrit word for grace, kritajna, or K-R-I-T-A-J-N-A. And it has this sense of wisdom and of interconnectedness about it. So how would I define grace? It's a sense of being like in flow or in the zone or something where you are fully alive, like in a symmetrical relationship with the world, so that what is coming in and what is going out, there isn't any confusion, and it is as it is, and it is accepted as it is, and it's free of obscurations, like in, say, Tibetan Buddhism, they talk about the two veils that obscure the true nature of ultimate reality, or that these two veils that obscure our true identity, our true self, which is almost like the holy grail of where we're heading to this ultimate reality or our true self. And these two veils are the gross veil of like the conflicting or afflictive emotions like harmful anger or negative jealousy or greed that is doing so much harm to the planet say all on the gross level these gross emotions obscure the true nature of everything and on a more subtle level it's this mistaken sense of identity that builds up about around patterns of resistances and cravings like addictions to things we like and addictive rejections and resistances to the things we don't like. So a state of grace is being free from these two veils. And of course, this is a very lofty world of grace, but we have aspiration. The power of aspiration is all important. Just because something is difficult, 
like one of my teachers, Akron Rinpoche, would say, only the impossible is worth doing. <laughs> so only the impossible is worth doing. So even just 1% of grace is of limitless value. So, and it gives our life meaning and direction. Like if I was asked, what is the meaning of my life? It's like heading towards grace. And it's not so difficult. Like I live in Scotland where it's very cold and in winter, myself or others could be feeding the birds, the migrating birds in the winter. So although you're putting bird seed or bread out for these tiny birds in the snow, six months later, they could be singing to uh, children in East Africa and you know making bright their day. So this is this sense of grace's interconnectedness. So even a little act of unselfish generosity connects you, I believe, with like what I call grace waves, this kind of sense of going beyond a limited headbound sense of self so that we can love the world around us and interconnect like sometimes wisdom is interconnectedness. So this concept of grace is very much bound up with interconnectedness but in a very helpful way, like interrelating with the world around us and within us in a helpful way rather than a harmful way. So it's like helpful actions and thoughts and emotions take us towards grace, whereas harmful, falsely selfish actions can take us away from grace. So although grace is something almost very mystical, in another way, it's like having a decent relationship with the world we live in, like forgiving and receiving without unnecessary complications of these two veils of the too much egocentricity or self-centricity and too much harmful emotions getting in the way of purity, purity of heart. This is about purity of heart. Grace is about purity of heart. This ability of to transcend the uh, prison of our mistaken sense of identity and come into a much larger and limitless, all-inclusive sense of self. I love the answer. Grace is about purity of heart. That's beautiful. That's very graceful in itself. Um, you mentioned a couple of times the mistaken sense of identity. What exactly do you mean by that? And what is our true identity? The true self you mentioned again these are vast and the best way is to understand them experientially rather than intellectually so this is where meditation and uh, compassion meditations come in according to like the buddhist psychology it's like we're not born in a state of original sin it's not like some of the ideas we have that we are somehow we are almost like we have a pathology to do harm or something like that it's a mistaken sense of identity that comes about through our social conditioning, the way we're brought up, especially in a competitive society, like where people are conditioned to feel that they are not enough or that they always have to be driven to do more. So the core of the mistaken sense of self is a sense of almost like an unconscious sense of I will go for the things I like, I will get rid and resist all the things I don't like and it doesn't really matter what I do to the world around us as long as I secure what I want and get rid of what I don't want. 
So it's almost this sense of unconsciousness. It's almost subconscious, almost, almost animalistic in a sense of being driven by very strong drives, almost addicted to what is good, nice and uh, resisting what is not nice. And this mistaken sense of self is almost like this iceberg, like all these little bits of ice, every little aversion, every little addiction, every little habit, like always finishing your food or something like that becomes, it seems like uh, inbuilt into your psyche. And it's so much, and of course, because life is an all-weather business, so that when you do meet unpleasant things and you can't just spin off into a fantasy, into what is pleasant, you can't evade them, then you become very vulnerable, maybe very helpless, very weak, because you're like a salmon swimming against the tide, you know, that everything is changing all around us, but we're trying, this mistaken sense of self thinks, I'm never going to (laughs) die, that always things are going to go on forever. But there is a sense of incredible claustrophobia about it because it's almost like you're trapped inside your emotions. Your two veils work together to keep you a sense of being trapped inside your emotions. So the subtle veil of thinking, I am a separate person cut off from the world. And then that interacts with the gross veils like, say, anger or addictions or greeds or jealousies. And so you're stuck. And then the thought, the momentum of these habitual emotions driven by the mistaken sense of identity become very claustrophobic so that you can feel almost like you're imprisoned in jealousy or that you can't get out of a certain emotion, like you're trapped inside of it, like down the bottom of a well. So the true self is wisdom, compassion, like limitlessness, like clarity, like on a very deep level, like uh, unobstructedness. But on a practical level, we could just see it as a true core self, which is like gold. And there's this true story of this temple in Thailand, and they were relocating the temple because a motorway was being built, so they had to move the statues inside the temple. And there was this clay, kind of very ordinary-looking, life-size statue And they got the little crane in to move it and the crane broke and the clay Buddha that was a little bit off the ground cracked a little bit. And an inquisitive monk shone a torch into the crack and found it was gold, gold glinting. And they investigated further and found that the whole statue was solid gold and it had been covered up with a thin layer of clay to protect it from an invasion of Burma about 800 years ago. And to keep it safe, I think that's the interesting line here, to keep it safe, they covered it up with this very ordinary, dull-looking clay. But then the people had fled who had done that, and they'd never got to return. And then for years, it was forgotten just how precious it was deep inside. And it's like our true sense of self is like this gold that cannot be destroyed but that is covered up with dust or clay that stops us shining, that stops us. It's not that we're not valuable, but we don't see how valuable our potential is, not just for ourselves, but for others. We don't see our own value. So the true sense of identity is like 
the gold and it's like the work of meditation is like a purification like purity of heart like every time we meditate and let go of a harmful habit or a harmful train of thought or a harmful emotion then we are going towards our true golden nature but uh, the other the flip side of this is that unfortunately every time we indulge a harmful habit or just do the same old reactive pattern then we might be increasing the layers of clay around our true golden nature. But this gives a sense of meaning and direction to our life, that we are heading towards grace, we're heading towards our true nature. And if even we identify with our true nature, this can be a great way of dealing with obstacles, because we can identify harmful anger, but we don't have to identify with it. Instead, we identify with our true nature of wisdom, compassion, and our internal power to find and rediscover who we truly are. In other words, can we say that we can use grace to tap into this true self? Yeah, absolutely. It's so deeply connected that in ancient Tibet, they would talk about this concept of grace waves. And grace waves is like this connecting power so that we aspire to be who we truly are we aspire to be our true selves and it's like to live in a state of grace maybe is beyond self and other beyond like triplicity beyond our normal way of thinking but again this isn't so mysterious i think all of us have experienced say say uh on holiday or seeing uh, children playing or seeing a very enthusiastic dog chase a stick, we can see beyond our own horizons, we can transcend our normal limited way of being. And this is like a hint of grace beyond. So our true self, paradoxically, isn't something limited and exclusive. Our true identity is limitless and all-inclusive. So our true sense of self and grace are very closely connected. And then you could see sometimes the power of prayer or hear like somebody could feel very alone and helpless. But by having the humility, which is an also a an imp very important part of grace, humility, having the humility to ask for help like through prayer, then the grace waves of the mentor or the teacher or the grace waves or just being open to something helpful in the environment around us can lift us out of this sense of claustrophobia so that we are re-energized and i think this is a lot to do with energy like albert einstein said that all the human beings suffer from like a sense of myopia a short-sighted vision of the world they live in so they only see their life in terms of their own desires, their own aversions. And he was saying that we must cultivate compassion to go beyond this limited worldview. And this is especially poignant in this age of global warming and a lot of injustice in the world that we shouldn't feel so negative about that, but we should feel more that it's a chance to help and a chance to engage. That's beautiful. And I really appreciate how you brought it down to day-to-day -day life by saying you know sometimes we can tap into that zone when we see children playing or a dog chasing a stick 
And like just yesterday when we were listening to this musician, guitarist, uh, Estas Tone, and feeling his passion as he was playing the guitar, I think even that enabled me to touch that purity that you are describing and that unlimited spirit that we are and that we express it and we see it expressed around us on a daily basis. And it's not like an abstract concept to be achieved if and when we become enlightened, but it's here within us. So that's beautiful. How can we get to this state of the true self through gratitude and grace? How can they help us to reach this state? I think the other side that's very important and that comes up in the courses I give on gratitude is generosity. In, say, uh, Tibetan Buddhism, they would say if somebody feels a sense of like being not enough, that they feel like what Tara Brack calls poverty mentality, or uh, Gabor Mate would describe as like the world of the hungry ghost, that in Tibetan Buddhism, the antidote for those states of mind is quite radical, is just to turn it around and give. So this is why in all of the Buddhist cultures that they have offering bowls that they fill with water, say seven offering bowls filled with water every day that they fill up and empty in the evening, it's like everybody can offer, that you don't need to have a lot of money to be able to offer water. So this connection with grace comes by opening your heart, like open-hearted courage, open-hearted appreciation of the world that you're in, that manifests through generosity, through giving. Like even you could uh, smile when you're being served in a shop or supermarket. When you're traveling, you could give way at uh, traffic lights or something like that. And this open-hearted generosity is the beginning of the journey to step out of our limited, mistaken sense of identity and have unselfish emotions like love, compassion, and unselfish joy and a sense of calm like it's okay we don't need the waters of the mind don't need to be agitated too much by the harmful emotions once we can tap into our true self and even if we feel it's an act that's not a bad thing like uh, Stanislavski method acting is if we act wise and kind as long as we remember we're acting but it can still set up fresh habits of behavior. So we're not cheating. It really is something very useful. It's like there are so many, many different ways to arrive at grace, and it will be unique for each individual listening to this podcast. But the key thing is not to get stuck and to move in the direction of transcending this kind of limited uh, and unnecessary suffering of the mistaken sense of self. Clive, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share these insights. Thank you for listening to the Peaceful Ease podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with friends and family. Remember, the bigger the support, the more fun the journey becomes. If you'd like to get in touch with Ela, you can reach out to her at peacefulease.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be kind to yourself.